Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. Today, we're going to go over some of the more interesting training camp battles. Because training camp, Chris, it's not that far away. And I want to ask you, first, how are you doing? And secondly, are you excited for training camp? I'm doing well, and I am. I think this is going to be one of the more competitive training camps we have seen in quite some time. Yeah, I, I don't know how the Giants roster ranks compared to the rest of the NFL. We won't know that until really the season is underway and probably even until the season is in its rearview mirror. But right now, it the roster itself definitely looks a lot better and deeper than it has in recent years. When the second year of the Joe Shane, Brian Dable era, we're starting to see the roster take shape in the form that Joe Shane wants and the rest of the Giants front office. I feel like we have adults up there right now. I feel really good to be a New York Giants fan. This podcast specifically is going to focus on the offensive training camp battles, and we're not going to go over some of the back end battles, the Gary Brightwells versus Deshaun Corbin, or when we go over the defensive podcast, the DJ Davidson versus Jordan Riley's. Although I feel like those are still very important battles, I want to go over some of the guys who aren't necessarily on the roster bubble or players that could see the field regardless of injury. Now, we're going to do the tackles, and that's more of an injury type of situation. But I want to start with the tight ends, okay? And we know that teams like to run 13 personnel. With a team like the Giants that added a star tight end, Darren Waller in the offseason, likely their 12 and 13 personnel packages are going to increase a little bit just because you still have Daniel Bellinger on the field. Last year, on first down situations, the Giants ran 13 personnel 6% of the time. Overall, they ran it 5% of the time. Now with Waller, you have to imagine that's going to go up a little bit, specifically against teams with slower linebackers who is going who are going to match 13 personnel with base defensive personnel. Last year also, the Giants ran 12 personnel. That's two tight ends on the field, 18% of the times. And there was a large chunk of the season where I felt like the Giants were in 12 personnel primarily. And that was against teams like Washington, for instance. So with the addition of Waller, the presence of Daniel Bellinger heading into his second season, that leaves that third tight end spot up in the air. I feel like the favorite is Lawrence Cager, another former wide receiver similar to Waller out of the University of Georgia, who has now transformed himself into a tight end, was with the Jets last preseason, joined the Giants, and we saw the Giants actually design red zone plays for him. So even though the Giants have Waller, do you think Cager is still the favorite to be that third tight end who makes this roster? You know what? I do, and I do for a couple reasons. The first is I think Lawrence Cager is probably the best player of this bunch alongside Tommy Sweeney, Chris Myrick, Brian Jones, the undrafted free agent. As far as just the impact he's capable of having on the field, Lawrence Cager is, he is the most athletic. He is, he presents the most upside in the area of the giants offense that they are, they have obviously tried to upgrade over the last several months. And that is of course the passing game. And also with Darren Waller, we've kind of been upfront about about this since the Giants traded for him. He has incredible upside. Like he can be a dynamic weapon in the passing game, but he does come with some injury concerns. 
And if the Giants want to have that skill set on the field, if they are baking that skill set into their offensive plan for 2023, it only makes sense to make sure you have a backup for it in place. And Lawrence Cager, too, this is somebody who went to the University of Miami initially, transferred to Georgia in 2019. And it's not like he had incredible production when he was in college, but there's still a lot of athletic upside for a six foot five, 220 pound tight end, or back then was a wide receiver. Now he's probably pushing what, like 238. And when you think about that combined with Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger, your 13 personnel package, you can spread them out outside the numbers. I know I've said this on this podcast before, and you can use them in a way to get unathletic linebackers into space, and then you can just take advantage of that mismatch. I think it's one of the more interesting parts of the Giants offense is how they utilize the tight end position, specifically in 12, 13 personnel packages under Mike Kafka. And that would include, obviously, Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger, Lawrence Cager. But there could be a fourth tight end spot. And my, I guess, my one issue, if Lawrence Cager is that player who is the third tight end, which is the, the guy that I that I want to be, the third tight end, just because I feel like, as I said before, your 13 personnel package is wildly athletic, but you still need those blockers on third and one if you want to get heavy. You still need those guys who can block like a Daniel Bellinger. I don't know if Tommy Sweeney is that guy. I know he's built as that type of player, Chris, but he, he to me, he's a very try-hard blocker. I didn't feel like he was all that effective when I watched his Buffalo tape. I know he's had injury issues in his past. Maybe that was preventing him from from reaching a, a level that I felt like was adequate enough to, to crack this 53-man roster at this position. Ryan Jones, he's he's a rookie, another what linebacker, I think he was, at Oklahoma before he transferred to ECU, so new to the position, similar to Rice and John, who the Giants got as a UDFA a few years back out of Canada. But then there's Chris Myrick, who I feel like factors into this, and I know the depth chart has him listed on our lads as a fullback, but to me, Chris Myrick, is somebody who can lose slow enough at the point of attack, somebody who has utility as a receiver, and somebody who I feel like always just does the right thing, but he's not flashy. So out of those three tight end prospects, Sweeney, Jones, Myrick, who most intrigues you for a fourth tight end spot if the Giants do carry four? I'm go- this is one where I want to reserve judgment until we get a look at them on the field in training camp. Cause like you said, Tommy Sweeney, he has had injury issues and we never really know how much that impacts a guy on game day. Maybe he's dealing with a knee or an ankle or a foot or whatever, and he can put forth the effort, but the body just isn't willing or the body just isn't able, even if the spirit is willing. And then Ryan Jones, like you said, he is a recent convert could- from linebacker. Um, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and that could be the case as well. We're just not 100% sure. And the injuries, I believe it was a COVID-related injury, and, and he had like some something serious happen to him. So there could just be something that he had to overcome, and now in a new environment with more a uh, longer track record of being healthy, he can reach another level. So it's well within the the outcomes that Tommy Sweeney ends up making this team. And I want to want to ask you this question too, and kind of formulate it in this manner, just because our lads does have Myrick listed as a fullback, and we know the Giants have done creative things with their tight ends at fullback last year towards the end of the season with Daniel Bellinger. I think we should think about the Tommy Sweeney, Ryan Jones, and Chris Myrick question also while analyzing them as possible fullback options, which we saw Myrick do a little bit last year. So please also 
take that into account when you answer the question, buddy. Yeah, I really do think it's most useful to think of the fullback position as the H-back in the Giants offense, where it's not quite a tight end, not a traditional fullback. And it's a guy who's going to be used as a move player, who's going to be used as maybe in, as an insert player out of a offset eye, but also run out on an angle route or a, a drag route or a wheel route, anything like that, running routes out of the backfield as a receiver, because that's something defenses don't often account for nowadays is the fullback as a receiver. It's very common to see those guys block or chip and then leak out into the hook curl area or out into the flat. And there just isn't a linebacker in position to pick them up because that guy was a blocker. He was a blocker five seconds ago. Now he's a receiver. And that is an easy way to get the ball out. It's an easy check down to pick up very safe yardage. And safe yardage is what the Giants offense was predicated on last year. So I think it is very possible that one of these guys, Tommy Sweeney, Ryan Jones, Chris Myrick, could make the roster as that H-back, that kind of fullback tight end tweener, and also kind of fill the role that a fourth running back would because the the Giants really don't have that other blocker besides Daniel Bellinger unless they want to go to a jumbo tight end and have a reserve tackle or reserve guard, which is something we'll get to in a little bit. Basically, fill out that sixth blocker role. I also think Daniel Bellinger's ability to operate as a fullback, which we saw last year as well, is something that could maybe work against those other three tight ends. I still think those tight ends will have a shot at making the team because I think the tight end position is really important for this roster. But remember last year, man, Daniel Bellinger operating as a fullback against the Colts, man, that was an impressive, that was an impressive outing from him, right? All right, Chris, we covered the tight end position and the fullback, H-back, that, that versatile position. I mean, it's a positionless defense. Maybe the offense is also positionless with all these really athletic tight ends that we have. But let's move on to the wide receiver position because this is where it gets really interesting. The Giants have Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt. Wondell Robinson will probably go to the pup, but they have a lot of players who are Certainly shoo-ins for the roster. Last year, Darius Slayton wasn't a shoo-in. He ends up making it after the pay cut and being the leading receiver on the team in terms of yardage. But then you also have guys like Sterling Shepard, who are reportedly healthy. Jamison Crowder, Colin Johnson, who was hurt in the preseason last year, who really seemed to take well to the Brian Dable-Mike Kafka offense. Bryce Ford-Wheaton, the UDFA out of West Virginia. There's a lot of players that you can kind of look around and be like, I don't know if the Giants want to either put this guy through waivers or if they want to cut this guy, but you only have a certain amount of roster spots. So what do you think is going to happen with this wide receiver position group? I think the Wando Robinson on pup gives them a little bit of breathing room to slide another one of those wide receivers onto the roster. But this is going to be one of those situations where good football players might not make this team and they're going to get scooped up by other teams. Yeah, right now I'm kind of operating under the assumption that the Giants will have six wide receivers on their roster. That's a pretty common number. You know, occasionally you'll see teams with seven receivers. You don't often see teams carry eight receivers and five is that, that's running 
clean at the position unless you're like what the Baltimore Ravens tried to be over the past couple years and just really rely on the tight end position to be your passing offense. But that also didn't really work out all that well for them. They needed wide receivers. And I think the Giants need at least six wide receivers. And if you've got those five guys, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Sterling Shepard, as pretty much locked in, that leaves one spot open. And I think this roster battle could come down to a matter of philosophy. And it is also, I think, partly influenced by what happens at the tight end position. And to me, it's kind of at the top level. It comes down to Colin Johnson, who had that great preseason last year, and Jamison Crowder, who is a veteran. He's played a lot of football in the NFL, and he is a, or has been a very good slot receiver. And he's also a good special teams player. You know, there are other guys. You talked about Bryce Ford Wheaton. There's Khalil Pimpleton, Jeff Smith. Uh, uh, there's uh, honestly too many for me to name off the top of my head. Mackay Polk, uh, Jaden Mickens. <laughs> yep, David Sills still around. <laughs> so there are. This is a very crowded wide receiver room, but I think it really does come down to whether or not the Giants want a wide receiver, a guy who is going to be playing on the outside pretty much no matter what, or a slot receiver. And you, you term this offense the slot machine because they've got so many guys who can play in the slot. But right now. Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton are kind of the only two natural outside receivers. So to me, this this battle and how the numbers game works out, I think will tell us a lot about what kind of offense the Giants want to run in 2023. I think that's a very good point. I also look at Sterling Shepard and Paris Campbell. These are two guys who I feel like their natural position, their best utilized implementation would be in the slot, but they have both had experience playing on the outside. We remember Sterling Shepard, I believe it was in Jason Garrett's offense. He kind of kicked to the outside. He was still effective because Sterling Shepard's a very underrated and good football player, but I just feel like you give him the two way go and he can operate in space. He's just excellent in, in, in those types with those types of utilizations in terms of Paris Campbell. I think it's similar, but we know Mike grow when he was with the Colts, It was two years as the Indianapolis Colts wide receiver coach. He used Paris Campbell, I think, the first year in the slot, but then he got hurt by like week three. And the second year, he started using him on the outside, had about 100 snaps on the outside before he ended up ultimately getting injured. So I think you can use both of those guys outside, and it's not going to seriously hinder your upside. I think they're good enough wide receivers to use them on the outside. It's just, is that the best utilization of those players? And when it comes to the special teams argument too, Chris, Jamison Crowder, is he going to be your punt returner? It's not flashy, but he's going to catch the ball. Hopefully, knock it on wood. He won't fumble it, and he's going to pick up, you know, seven yards. It's going to be a good return for him, type of thing. You know, he's savvy and he understands angles and things of that nature. And then Jeff Smith is that other player. It's just like Jeff Smith. I get it. He's not the sexiest wide receiver. You know, he had a touchdown reception in the preseason against the Giants last year, but he's a good special teams asset. The Giants. They added them pretty early in free agencies, and I think they want to really bolster their special teams. So I think that Jeff Smith has to get considered just because of his upside on special teams and what he gives you as a wide receiver is also just going to be kind of a little cherry on top of the Sunday. Yeah, and you mentioned injuries with Paris Campbell in particular, but 
Sterling Shepard is coming back from an ACL injury after coming back from an Achilles injury. Wandale Robinson currently on the pup list with an ACL injury. And well, he, he will be. Well, he's well, the pup list. Yeah. 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 Likely to start the season on the pup list, at least as it looks right now. We'll leave it at that. But between those three guys, they're really your top three in the slot. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, he is a rookie. And while I do believe in him as a route runner, I believe he's got the tools to eventually be a good route runner. He was not asked to run a wide variety of routes at Tennessee. He ran what he was asked to run well. That That's kind of as far as it goes right now. He has speed. He's got explosiveness. He's got very good ball skills. So that will help him as a deep threat. But as far as doing what Sterling Shepard is able to do out of the slot, yeah, that is a question mark right now. So the injury questions at that position, that could work in favor for Jameson Crowder or one of the other slot slash special teams guys, as opposed to a Colin Johnson. But again, we, we remember how good Colin Johnson was a year ago. I remember thinking, and I talked about this in our wide receiver show, Colin Johnson looked like the player we thought we were getting when the giants signed Kenny Galladay, as opposed to Kenny Galladay, who looked like the ghost of Kenny Galladay. No offense to him, but it is what it is. Yeah, reality comes at you hard sometimes. It's an unfortunate situation, but the guy ended up making a huge paycheck, so it's hard for me to say I truly feel bad for him, but ultimately, I think it was out of his control. I don't think it was just because he was lazy. I think that narrative, personally, was lazy. I just don't think he was healthy enough to to play wide receiver anymore at at a high level. I have a, a quick thought before we go to break. Last year, and I know the Giants suffered a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position, which makes this question maybe not as... uh apt, I guess. But last year, we weren't talking much before training camp about Richie James, and we weren't talking much about Colin Johnson. Both of those guys ended up making a huge impact. I'm wondering if there is a wide receiver on this roster who is going to step in, and we know this coaching staff operates in a meritorious manner, and really just kind of seizes the opportunity and pushes some of these guys who we think are shoe-ins to make this roster, like a Bryce Ford Wheaton, let's say, uh, as, as a guy who who fits the mold of what I'm talking about, maybe a Jeff Smith. Guys who were like, yeah, they could make the roster, but you know, they, they really need a strong training camp. But then they actually give you the strong training camp preseason. And I'm wondering if if that can actually happen again this year, in the, in the second year, with a much stronger wide receiver room. I think it really could. And I think part of that is because of this, this sixth slot being so up in the air right now. I mean, we could probably even throw Khalil Pimpleton in as a guy just to keep an eye on because he does have that uh, kick and punt return ability. Like he he did it in college. He's got a fairly similar skill set to Wandale Robinson as a more of an offensive weapon than a true receiver. He's got good hand-eye coordination, good body control, And he does have the ability, or at least showed the ability in college, to be explosive when he gets some some daylight to work with. So it's possible he he could open some eyes. But but again, Jeff Smith could do that. Bryce Ford Wheaton, he struggled catching the ball in throughout the uh, the offseason and through minicamp. But if he's able to get the 
receiving part of being a receiver down. He does have the size and athleticism that really no other player on the Giants roster, at least among the past catchers, can really match. So it's possible he could force their hand. So a lot of this really is up in the air right now. All right, before we get to the offensive line, Chris, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Mr. Chris Flum. Let's get into the offensive line. I think the most interesting conversation, if we're not talking about the starters, because everybody who is in the discussion for starting offensive linemen on the New York Giants, they're more than likely going to make the team. I don't think Josh Azudu or Ben Bredesen are threatened by not making the 53-man roster. But the swing tackle position, I think, is where it gets very, very interesting. So we have the starters, right? Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal. But who is going to be that swing tackle if something were to happen to either of those players knocking on wood once again? Is it going to be Tyree Phillips, who I felt like every time he was called upon last year when Evan Neal was injured, I felt like he was respectable, right? Like I didn't I didn't look at Tyree Phillips like he was a liability out there. You also have Devery Hamilton, who had a really good preseason playing left tackle instead of Andrew Thomas. And then he was basically kind of like the big offensive lineman. Matt Parrott, who was a former top 100 pick from the previous regime, who has a ton of upside but has never realized it, and Corey Cunningham. So out of those four, we're talking about the super subs, we're talking about the swing tackles. Who do you think has the inside track to that, and how much are you looking forward to this specific competition? I think this is kind of low-key one of the biggest competitions on the whole roster because as much as we don't want to think about Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, uh, whoever the starting guards are getting hurt. It could happen. Like a guy could get stepped on. He could twist his ankle. Hell, a, a guy's shoe could come, come untied and he'll have to leave the field while he gets it, you know, back on and back situated. And if you have a competent player who can come off the bench and play, left tackle, right tackle, or maybe one of the guard positions, you'll probably be okay. But if you have a guy come off the bench and all of a sudden he's a liability, that can blow your drive up. That can result in a game-changing play. We've seen this before. So I think getting getting as many good backups on the offensive line as the Giants can is going to be very important. Now, I think it's going to be very 
interesting again to see what they want out of their reserve lineman. Do they want versatility? Do they want the super sub type player? A guy like yeah, the, the archetype for me is always going to be Kevin Booth, who came off the bench <laughs> and played pretty much every single spot on the offensive line. Uh, you could also look at Dave Deal as another guy who's who did that and did it very well. Or do you want a true tackle, like a tackle only type player? So that to me is why it kind of, kind of comes down to Tyree Phillips versus Henry Hamilton as the kind of super sub. But then you also have Matt Peart and Corey Cunningham, mostly Matt Peart as the tackle only, because I'm really not sure if Peart can play guard. I think he's just a little, he's just too big. He doesn't have the right body type. Yeah, and I think Kyrie Phillips might fall into that as well. I'm trying to actually look up right now on Pro Football Focus if Kyrie Phillips. Yes, no, he has played guard, so I am yes. I am definitely wrong there. He has played guard uh, in the preseason before. In the regular season, I don't believe he he had one one game playing guard for Baltimore in 2021. But he's mostly operated as a right tackle in the regular season. But that's important, right? And I only thought that because I mean he is so big and he is, I guess. A little bit laterally challenged, right? But I mean, that would also fit in the guard position a little bit. I think his his size and his ability to move bodies is something that would actually translate solid in a solid manner there. But he's even, I guess he's not taller than Matt Parrott, but I want to say he has like 15 pounds on Matt Parrott. I'm trying to look up Parrott's weight at this point. But if you're talking about a super sub, I think it does come down to, as you said, yeah, Matt Parrott's 318 pounds, but Matt Parrott's like biggest quality coming out of UConn was his feet and how quick his feet were. You mentioned when you were talking how how the how the Giants can't have those those players out there who are just kind of getting you know tormented and they they ruin drives. And I hate to single out Parrott here, but. Parrot has been that player before for the Giants, right? When he has been called upon, there were times where it did not go well. I mean, you go back to the Ravens game in what was that, 2020, where Matt Parrot gave up, or it wasn't all him, but his side of the protection gave up three sacks in a row on Daniel Jones, who was just a battering ram in that game. It was it was very unfortunate. But if we're looking for that guy who can be the Kevin Booth or the David Deal, to me, Devery Hamilton showed that with this regime last year. He played one of those preseason games, I believe, at guard for a little bit, but was mostly also tackle. And I know he was working in at guard at training camp. And I remember there was a lot of kind of momentum building around Devery Hamilton. We we're like, yo, man, this guy, you know, he's going to make the team. He ended up making the team. It's just uh, when when he did get out there in the regular season, it wasn't some like kind of incredible thing. It was, wasn't like he was a liability either. So I think he's the name that I really pay attention to. Him and obviously Tyree Phillips, who I feel like is the one-for-one swing tackle who's going to make this squad. I just don't know where that leaves Matt Parrott or Corey Cunningham. If either of those players, uh, one of them might likely make the team still because you need depth at the tackle position. But I don't know... I'm not 100% certain how that battle is going to work out, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I believe you're thinking of the New England game, the preseason opener last year when Devery Hamilton played 70 snaps and most of them were at, I think after, after the first drive, all of them were at left tackle. And that game, he was the Giants' best player, at least according to Pro Football Focus, which take that with as many grains of salt as you want. Uh, but he did have a good game. He was, he made the giants 53 man roster as one of their primary depth pieces. And 
he didn't see the field a ton last year. I believe he only had 39 offensive snaps. Tyree Phillips, he did start five games for the Giants at right guard. Yeah. I'm sorry, right tackle. Four of them while Evan Neal was recovering from injury and then week 18 against the Eagles when the Giants just didn't play any of their starters. So, I, yeah, again, take that as you will. But uh, just to go back a little bit, Phillips actually, his rookie year with Baltimore, he was drafted in the third round as well. Uh, pick 106, if I remember correctly. I was just looking at that earlier today. And he beat out DJ Fluker for the right guard job as a rookie. So he, he does have that ability. He just got hurt almost immediately. So that was unfortunate on his part. And that is something he and Matt Parrott both have to kind of overcome, I think, is the fact that neither one has had consistency in their careers. You know, with Matt Peart, it was that weird offensive tackle rotation, weird offensive line rotation that the Giants had in 2020, his rookie year. And then he had that ACL tear in 2021. He had a back injury in the 2021 offseason, then the late season ACL that kept him on the pup list until November of 2022. So like he hasn't had any time to really develop, but also Tyree Phillips, he's struggled with injuries. He's had, he had a knee injury or two. He had an ankle injury. Uh, he had to change positions a lot. As weird as it is, right now, Devery Hamilton might have had the most stable road to the NFL, the most stable development of these guys. And I think that does kind of factor into all of this. Devery Hamilton is, what, 25 years old? Both Parrott and Tyree Phillips are 26. These are young players with still who still have an upside. And we're not even talking about our starters. So I still feel like it's a good position the Giants are finding themselves in. Before we get out of here, Chris, let's transition a little bit to the, the center and guard position behind John Michael Schmitz, behind Josh Azudu, behind Ben Bredesen, behind Mark Lewinsky. There's a couple names here. Marcus McKethan ended up getting injured last year. I feel like there's a lot of upside with a player like McKethan. He got hurt in the blue and white scrimmage tore his ACL. You also have JC Hassenauer, who the Giants signed this offseason, more of a veteran guy that they got from Pittsburgh, specifically a center. I think that could be important for John Michael Schmitz, but I don't know if his talent, I don't really know much about his talent, so I don't know if that's going to be able to kick out, let's say, a Shane Lemieux or Jack Anderson, who it seems like the Giants also appreciate their skill sets. We know that Joe Shane spoke highly of both of them, possibly as centers before they drafted John Michael Schmidt. So what's your opinion on the guard center backup battle? This one, I think is again, it's going to be influenced by what happens at the, on the outside at the tackle positions. If you, if the giants decide to keep Tyree Phillips and Devery Hamilton, their ability to play the guard position and, and also Josh Azudu who can play, both tackle positions, both guard positions. And at this point, I wouldn't bet against him also being able to play center. I I would not be surprised at all if he is cross-trained at center, learned how to snap a ball, all that stuff. So then you kind of have Shane Lemieux, who is guard center. He has done both. And then Hassenauer, who's kind of a pure center, at least, again, as far as I understand it. I think if the Giants have depth they're comfortable with at guard, with the super subs with Zudu, 
that and and Ben Bredesen, whichever one of those two guys wouldn't isn't the starter, I should say, then I think it would come down to whichever player between Shane Lemieux and JC Hassenauer is the better center because John Michael Schmitz is going to be the starter. And I I don't expect him to light the NFL on fire as a center as a rookie but i expect him to at least be competent like i i expect him to be a competent capable steady starter but if somebody goes down behind him would you feel better having or moving say ben bredesen over from left guard to center or just plugging hassenauer in and keeping the other four positions consistent yeah i so I, I, I think that might be the calculus that goes through the Giants' head with this interior offensive line depth chart. And again, it, it will really depend, I think, on how comfortable they are with the depth at guard as to whether or not they see Shane Lemieux in their plans for this season. Another name, too, is Wyatt Davis that I didn't want to neglect or that I did neglect to say, I believe. He's 24 years old, played right guard at Ohio State, was a third-round pick, top 100 pick by the Minnesota Vikings, and he's still on the Giants roster right now, was retained. I don't know if he'll ultimately make the team, but I think you're right, man. I think the Ben Bredesen, can he kick over to center so Hassanauer's presence isn't as vital? I would say one thing is Hassanauer's a veteran center. Maybe the Giants might look at this situation and be like, this guy actually has played center, made calls, set protections, can help our young rookie center. And that might be valuable enough to allow him, if he's good enough as well, to stick on the roster. I, this is why we're doing this podcast, though. It's because there's different avenues and there's different options that the Giants can take. And you can see pros and cons with each option. And I think it's going to be a fascinating battle throughout the offense and the defensive uh, position groups that we're going to be going over on the next podcast. But Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, I, I think just to go back to how we started the podcast, this is going to be a very competitive training camp for the Giants. I really do think there's going to be a roster battle at each position group, except for quarterback, that I, I would be surprised if Tyrod Taylor winds up getting forced off the roster by Tommy DeVito, but every other position i think there's at least one spot that is up for grabs at this point and not only are the guys on the roster bubble for the giants competing against each other they're also competing against the nfl because final cutdowns are going to happen there's going to be a lot of players hitting the market yeah that's where tyree phillips came from the ravens tried to trade him they were unable to find a trade partner they cut him the Giants signed him, and he wound up starting five games for them last year. So the, the ultimate shape of this roster has yet to be determined, but we're going to learn a lot in training camp, and I think the competitiveness of it all is going to make for a very good camp. I'm right there with you, buddy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe, comment on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get this podcast, and also head on over to bigblueview.com 
where you will find all of our written content. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely day.